Hello and welcome to the 37th episode of Breaching Extinction. This week uh, we are talking with Jordan Van Vost of the Seattle Cruise Control about efforts to try to keep more cruise ships from coming into Seattle and into the whale's habitat. I think this episode couldn't have come at a better time given that just a few days ago we saw that there was a humpback hit by um, the ferries and there were some recreational boats getting a little bit too close to J-Pod. Super important that we stay mindful of our vessel impacts. Um, To find out more, you guys can check out the Seattle Cruise Control's website. I also recommend if you want to learn more about vessels to look at uh, wildorca.org. And then we have links posted on our brand new website that we just posted, I don't know, like a week ago. So go check it out and hope you guys enjoy this. How's it going? Good, good. I'm Jordan. Jordan, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Erica. Nice to meet you too. Thanks so much for joining me today. Um, sure. Can you give us a little bit of an introduction of who you are um, and what your role is with Seattle Cruise Control. Yeah, um, so my name is Jordan Van Vost. Um, I'm an acupuncturist, a gardener, a volunteer on the board of a local Buddhist organization. And I was a canvasser for Greenpeace in the early 1980s. Um, more recently, I've been involved in climate activism during various campaigns, uh, including trying to stop Shell from drilling in the Arctic and um, Kinder Morgan's pipeline project and some indigenous sovereignty struggles. Um, and so my involvement in Seattle Cruise Control began last November um, when I heard about the Port of Seattle uh, planning a third cruise terminal in an email from an organizer. Um, so I attended a rally outside a convention center, um, with major players in the, um, cruise industry in the port and we held up banners and, um, you know, there was, uh, uh, gathering signatures on a petition and some of the people inside did a polite disruption of business as usual, um, to the convention to let them know that we were there, um, you know, trying to speak up for, for the ocean and the environment. And, um, and there was somebody dressed as a polar bear and it was a lot of fun. Um, so, um, so, you know, I, I just started to get involved organically. Um, there was a, uh, um, a meeting at the, uh, the airport at a port commission, um, later, uh, that month. And, um, uh, you know, I just feel like, um, you know, with a capitalist growth oriented economy, it's, we're really as a society in serious denial about the, the magnitude of what client scientists are saying. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how I got involved is just, you know, wanting to make an impact. And, um, it felt really empowering to be with, with people and, um, you know, doing something positive. And so I went to the meeting at the airport, gave my two minute public statement, um, along with several other new friends, including, uh, representatives of, of stand.earth and 350 Seattle. Um, and, um, and after that, since then we've started to meet, um, once a week online. Um, I'm, I'm currently serving on the steering committee um, with two others supported by a group of six, six, six to eight other core members and a wider community of, of activists. So, okay. That's, 
Awesome. Um, so I know before talking to you, I was not familiar with the Seattle Cruise Control. So can you tell our listeners about what that organization is and what you guys do? Sure. Um, so, um, you know, basically we uh, organized around this initial goal of trying to stop the Port of Seattle from building a new cruise ship terminal, which is uh, Terminal 46, T46 for short. And um, uh, we make it a point to turn up twice a month at their commission meetings. We launched a Facebook page back in January called Seattle Cruise Control. And we recently launched our website, seattlecruisecontrol.org. We also uh, have produced a few videos with with help of uh, activist friends, do policy research, public outreach, and networking with NGOs, government officials, the public, and, um, you know, keep the Facebook page going. Uh, And recently, um, on June 8th, we joined with international activists to um, uh, mark World Oceans Day. Um, We had a little action on the waterfront in Seattle. A bunch of us paddled out with kayaks and and raised a banner right outside the Port of Seattle's um, offices. Um, And, uh, you know, so we try and keep it fun and and, uh, keep it alive as an issue. uh, you know, as with many p- campaigns, um, it's all about public education. And, uh, you know, lately with the coronavirus and the, um, the crisis over racism in the United States, um, you know, the public has a limited attention span. And so it's really um, a challenge to get these issues um, uh, in front of people who have limited attention span and, and bandwidth for new information. Um, you know, so there's no so many critical issues right now that needs to be ad- addressed. Um, and before the COVID crisis, very pe- very few people knew about um, cruise industry in Seattle, let alone that the port was planning a third cruise terminal. Um, so I think we've had some success uh, in um, starting a conversation about uh, the many negative impacts that cruise has on air quality and the climate emergency um, impacts from over tourism um, which is where cruise ships um, with thousands of people show up and just dump all those people all at once into a community and you know creates a lot of impact um, and of course cruise ships harm orcas um, and whales so um yeah, that's, that's a little bit about what we're about. Awesome. So basically, there's already some ports there for cruise ships, but they're trying to add an additional one. And you guys are kind of fighting that. So it's not in place yet, but that's what their plan is? Yeah, um, they, they already have uh, three terminals okay. in Seattle. And, and who so, who is I the... Mean, two terminals with three piers. It's sort of complicated there. Okay. Um, so who exactly owns these terminals? Um, so that the Port of Seattle owns them, you know, the Port of Seattle was formed, um, a, like a hundred years ago, basically as, um, it's essentially an economic development agency. It's, um, that's designed to use the the waterfront to, um, create economic uh, opportunity, you know, and in recent years, they've started to take on the language of, of um, 
equity and and um, climate remediation sure. and and uh, but but it's um, you know we think they don't go far enough. So absolutely, yeah. I yeah. mean that's hard too when people in business like you know a lot of people just come from one background. It's hard to get the whole picture, which is why it's important we have all these different folks in the conversation. So I'm glad you guys are contributing to that. Um, how and why are the cruise ships impacting the Orca? So that's an excellent question. And um, the impact happens in several different ways, mm -hmm. um, all of which are related and mutually reinforcing. Um, in a very literal sense, uh, Orcas can be impacted by ship strikes, which are what happens when large ships traveling at speed hit a whale, mm -hmm. which has increasingly happened to many species of whales around the world, not mm -hmm. just by cruise ships, of course, but but container ships. Um, in 1968, a Southern resident, uh, J34, was an 18-year-old male named Double Stuff, mm -hmm. was killed by um, blunt force trauma in 2016 near Seychelles. Um, so he almost certainly, you know, hit by a, a large ship. Um, and as far as I know, there's no definitive scientific answer to why um, whales are hit, but it's possible they simply don't hear them coming um, because, uh, which brings me to the second form of harm, mm -hmm. which is the increasing uh, ship traffic. Sure. Um, you know, which creates uh, excessive noise pollution mm -hmm. underwater. Um, and, uh, you know, somewhere I read that before the advent of the modern engine uh, for, for ships, a whale in the Pacific Ocean could communicate with a whale in the Atlantic Ocean, um, you know, through across hundreds of miles, like 500 miles. Wow. I, think I remember hearing something just because, you know, there was utter silence down there and they could their ears were finely tuned, but, um, uh, you know, of course that, uh, just in the last 150 years or so, all of that's really changed. Um, and, um, so there was a survey of scientific research completed in 2019 mm -hmm. on the effects of ship noise on marine mammals. Okay. Um, and they found that, uh, documented effects included behavioral, and acoustic responses. Mm -hmm. So, um, like, I think I listened to one recording with a, a sound of a, an engine, and the whale was clearly responding in kind of a distressed way. I mean, I mean that's a, a judgment on my part, but mm -hmm. it, it sounded like it was annoyed. You know, and that was that was written into the the scientific conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, besides uh, behavioral acoustic responses, um, uh, you know, it makes it harder for them to hear and, and stress. It's, um, so as a healthcare provider myself, I, I, you know, it's widely acknowledged that stress is one of the, uh, the main factors in, in all disease mm -hmm. nowadays, stress and trauma. And so, um, you know, it makes sense that, um, you know, uh, you know, so stress affects um, the interference, interferes with our normal functioning of our brain and, sure. and all of our internal organs. Um, and, you know, so you can just Google, um, you know, do, do a web search of, of uh, underwater ship noise and play some of the sounds that come up. And, and it's, um, 
you know, I'm just sort of thinking of um, also um, protesters like at Standing Rock. You know, they've over the last 20 years, they've, mm-hmm. um, or I, I don't want to use the word protesters, protectors. Mm-hmm. Um, they started to use these sound cannons to, to um, you know, as a weapon, basically. So, sure. Um, Yeah, that definitely can have an impact on people for sure. And just for, you know, any of our listeners here that have maybe just dropped in and aren't super familiar with orcas, I just do want to kind of reiterate what you're saying with the noise pollution. You know, whales um, communicate acoustically. That's their primary way of understanding their environment. They eco-locate, meaning that they essentially have like sonar that bounces off of objects. And so the noise pollution from boats is why why these issues exist. Um, and, you know, we see that orcas have their own dialect and they have their own languages. So that's a huge thing in orca culture. Um, so this boat traffic is, you know, severely going to impact their the way they communicate with each other, how they find food, all this stuff. So I see totally what you're saying. And I never considered the impact of stress on on whales um that i think is a really important point that you bring up and that you see that in your own work with people yeah i mean um you know just imagine growing up in that environment um and being you know sound is how you interact in such a primary way where you know Mm -hmm. we're much more visual in some ways mostly um so um yeah um, so, you know, um, yeah, and you mentioned also that, that it interferes with fishing, which, you know, of course, with the southern resident orcas being down to 76 individuals, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's science, it's pretty clear that it's a lack of salmon that's the main problem in the dams on the, on the Columbia and Snake Rivers, but, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make it any easier that, that they, um, you know, have have to compete with all these just distracting noises to, to find their food. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so let me think, do I answer all that? Yeah. Uh, I think you did a great job. Cruise. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. No, I think they, they definitely, there's a lot of things that are impacting them. And I know a lot of people are really vested in the dams and that's kind of where, my interest lies, but it's really important to have people like you out there and your team that are working on these other issues because there's so many things impacting these whales and it's important that we have everybody on board doing something. So I'm really glad to see you guys doing this. Um, so going into my next question. Oh, well, um, yes. there was, there was uh, one more um, yeah. actually aspect of harm, which, oh, which yeah. is, is, imp- is important. Um, so cruise ships are notorious for dumping waste in the oceans, both legally and illegally. So mm-hmm. in 2018, one of um, Carnival Corporation's ships was caught dumping 26,000 tons of gray water in Glacier Bay National Park. Oh my gosh. Um, so in, in Puget Sound, it's against the law to dump water, but in many places around the world, there's no regulations, uh, especially in the open sea beyond 12 miles offshore. Yeah. Um, and also on numerous occasions, cruise ships have been caught dumping engine waste, garbage, and um, and then also there's been pressure on a cruise uh, corporations to reduce um, the emissions, uh, the atmospheric emissions to go in the smokestacks. Sure. So they developed this um, um, 
way of complying with uh, increased air, air regulations called um, open loop scrubbers. And so what it involves is, is basically hosing down the inside of the smokestack and, and then dumping it in the ocean, you know, with all these um, toxic wow. um, compounds, which, which increase the acidity and, um, uh, you know, put all these cancer forming chemicals in the oceans. And so of course, all that stuff get absorbed by the, absorbed by the plankton migrates up the food chain becomes increasingly concentrated in the fish. And then you have situations like with, um, you know, Tahlequah's baby who died after um, a short time, you know, because these, these babies are literally being poisoned by their mother's milk that are, you know, so heavily um, concentrated with, with toxins. Um, yeah, for sure. That's, and, and one, I had no one idea. More, one yeah. more thing um, is, is, you know, just in more generally, you know, I mean, I came into this based on the, the climate emergency and, and the, um, so cruise ships emit three to four times as much greenhouse gas emissions as airplanes do per passenger. Wow. Um, and so Seattle is a home port, which means that passengers who get on board the cruise ships um, travel here to, to start their journey. Mm-hmm. And according to the Port of Seattle's um, statistics, um, 80 to 90% of those passengers fly here, you know, from other parts of the country and the world. Mm-hmm. And so if you add up all those emissions, um, it's equal to about a third of the annual emissions of the city of Seattle. So that's, oh that's my all gosh. The, all the emissions from a, a year, you know, a normal year like 2019. Um, and, um, and so, you know, climate change affects all life, you know, I mean, yeah. we're, we're at the sort of the, the dawn of the, the sixth grade extinction. And, um, you know, for example, it, it makes it harder for salmon to spawn in streams because the, the temperature of the streams and the reservoirs on, on the, on the rivers and, you know, um, and, and the CO2 emissions, uh, get absorbed into the ocean and creates more acidity in the ocean. And, mm-hmm. um, so, um, you know, all of these unprecedented changes to the environment, which, you know, haven't been seen for millions of years, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the cumulative effects of them are really, um, mm-hmm. unknown. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy. And, you know, we've seen when we look at ocean studies, too, that ocean acidification and climate change have a huge impact on human health um, because so many people, like over 50% of the U.S. population lives within 30 minutes of the coast. And so that's directly going to impact, you know, the way that we live, the food we eat and all that stuff. Um, I'm hoping to do an episode where we go more in depth with somebody who knows a little bit more about that on how the ocean directly impacts human health. But I think all those things are are really important. And I had no idea that they were, you know, I knew that, that they were bad for, you know, green ga- greenhouse gases and all that stuff, but I didn't know they were, you know, um, con- contributing to so many toxins. So it looks like the ships are, these ships are contributing to the, there's, you know, the three main factors with the orca, the lack of prey, the toxins, and then the noise pollution. So it's like two out of three things this cruise ship is impacting. So I'm, you know, I'm glad to see you guys are doing this work. So, you know, 
Um, people are talking about adding this in. What would it logistically look like if the port was added to the city? Um, so, um, what, what do you mean? Like logistically? Like, so like, does this, like how many more boats would be able to come in and out? And like, how many more people would we see in and out of Seattle? Do okay. we know? Um, so, uh, not exactly sure, but we do know that the, the, the terminal that is being developed or would be developed um, is um, it's a deep water port. So it would mm -hmm. be able to handle the largest ships in the world, which um, are like a quarter of a mile long, basically. I mean, they're gigantic. And so one ship, the um, combined total of the passengers and the crew is like 9,000 people. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, it's essentially a small, a floating city. So, okay. um, and you know, there, there's really no limit to, um, how many more ships they could bring in. It's, you know, I mean, of course, right now the, the cruise industry is, is sort of collapsing and, mm -hmm. um, you know, knows what the future is going to be. And so that's really, we're trying to use this moment to say, Hey, you know, this is a good time like to reassess how we want to live as, as human beings and what our priorities are. And, and, um, you know, this, this, we have to stop this, um, this industry from just continually planning when it has so many harms. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I think the cruise industry, it would be really amazing if we could see them make some changes. So, that, you know, because obviously there's economic factors and so many other things that play into this, but if we could see them make changes to where they had little to no impact, um, that would be great. But I, you know, from what I know about cruise ships, because I lived in Tampa, Florida for a while, the, the port that we have down there at Channel Side, it was pretty brutal. It was pretty much the same sort of thing. Um, and they weren't really too keen on making changes. So I think, you know, if they can't make the changes to be not impactful, you're right. They need to be out of the water. Um, so well, the, yeah. What were you going to say? Uh, oh, um, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, there's a debate within our activist community, you know, are, mm -hmm. are we, are we trying to clean up crews as if it can be cleaned up or, um, do we want to basically shrink this industry and eliminate it? And, sure. um, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to eliminate an industry within the current sort of economic constructs of, mm -hmm. of our system of government and economics. But, um, you know, we can still advocate for, for a policy. And, um, uh, you, you know, it's basically there's no way to power these gigantic ships in a way that um, uh, doesn't have a huge outsized negative impact on the climate um, and, and also disturb, you know, the, the, the ocean with, with all, all those impacts as well. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I personally, I think, you know, it's the industry, um, you know, just, I think it's a particularly apropos also to mention that, you know, right now when there's um, a lot of uh, awareness being directed at racial issues, mm -hmm. um, 
I did some research on who who gets served by cruise ships, what what demographic of the public, and and in two thousand and eight, which is the most recent data I could find, ninety three percent of the passengers in North America and Britain were white, um, so very few people of color, um, and. I'm, I'm trying to see if any of those numbers have changed, but I have reasons to believe that it's um, both here in the United States. It's uh, so the um, the average um, income of cruise passengers, the household income is one hundred and seventeen thousand dollars. Wow! Last last year, so it's it's not That's like lo- that seems high um, to me. <laughs> the under the under. It's not the uh, marginalized people of the global south who are on cruise ships, and they're right. the ones who are suffering the main um, yeah. of, of climate change. That's a good point, and I didn't think about that. And, you know, yeah, you're totally right. Um, I just saw, I don't know if you've seen any of the videos, but there's parts of Florida that are just totally underwater right now. And this interview is happening in the middle of June, and this episode will be posted in a few weeks. So if you guys go back and listen to this, few weeks ago florida was like underwater in certain parts but you're totally right like those it's very disproportionate um and that was a factor that i didn't even think about so i'm really glad that you brought that up too that's really important um yeah i guess we need to do like a cost benefit analysis and it sounds like you know with the information that you've presented to me that the the costs do not outweigh the benefits of a cruise ship and you know who exactly is benefiting and what are those benefits it sounds like it's just benefiting corporations and like you know people who who want to travel there are more responsible ways to travel you know um other than a cruise ship you can still have ocean experiences and and relax in other ways um, sorry one of one of the uh arguments the economic arguments that the that the port makes is that you know well every cruise ship brings like you know millions of dollars pumps millions of dollars into the economy um so it's it's clear that you know big hotels and airlines and you know some wineries uh and a few other sort of top tourist destinations love cruise ships but lots of local businesses actually in the historic pioneer square district where mm-hmm. this terminal would would be right next to mm-hmm they don't want that cruise ship terminal because it, it drives away a lot of local customers when, when, uh, you know, big cruise ships, um, pull in and dump all their passengers who, you know, the local people don't want to deal with the traffic. Yeah. That's, that's pretty crazy. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's a pretty common thing to see, especially in areas with ecotourism. And that's not something that's unique to the United States. Like we see that everywhere big corporations or people with a lot of money come in and they take over communities and they disrupt communities by coming in here and trying to to capitalize off of areas that have been occupied by groups of people for a really long time. So I think that's another good point to to bring up too. I always try to to have like a, you know, look at all all the effects and you're you're definitely showing me some sides of it that I hadn't considered. Um well, but uh, yeah, just just along those lines um you know, in, in many of the smaller communities uh, along the coast of, of um, Alaska, mm-hmm. where the cruise ships pull in, you know, Juneau and Skagway and Haines and um, uh, uh, yeah, and you know, so some of the cruise ship companies are like bu- essentially buying up the waterfront and 
you know, turning these towns into sort of like, you know, Disneyland and, and, you know, they, um, it's like pay, pay to play. You have to pay like an extortion fee to get on their, um, list of approved vendors. Mm -hmm. And so there are like uh, 30 jewelry shops in Ketchikan, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, that's, it's all just catering to, you know, shopping mall mentality and kind of, um, it's just kind of disparting the character of, of some of these small communities in ways that they no longer have control of. And like, they, they have few other options. Um, um, so it's, it's, it's uh, sad in that way. Um, yeah, that's so. really sad. That's a really important thing to consider. And I think, you know, sometimes we forget that like, cause you know, we see this happen in other countries all the time that that happens here in our backyard too. So I definitely see why you guys are passionate about this issue. Is there another port that they could use that would cause overall less disturbance either to the whales or to the community? Like, you know, these are multi-million dollar corporations. Do they really even need another port? Like, why so, Why now? Like, why do they want this here? So my first thought um, is, you know, maybe on Mars. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, though, um, you know, my, my own opinion, and I think a, a majority of folks in our group, um, mm-hmm. you know, really take seriously the, that the planet is, is in dire straits right now. And, um, and we're, you know, we kind of see this moment in time as, as a moment to reflect on, on, you know, why are we here? Isn't, isn't it to help each other and to, awaken to the truth that all life is sacred and, mm-hmm. um, you know, orcas and other species of life don't exist just so they can be part of some cell phone video that gets played, um, you know, on the, put on their Facebook page. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm thinking of Bolivia recently, um, like 10 years ago, recognized that, that, um, nature has rights and, and, uh, um, and so, you know, here in America, we still commodify nature and just sort of see it as something external to, to us. And, you know, it's there for our happiness. Um, it's there for our resources and, and, you know, to use as we wish, but, but we, you know, um, you know, I've been influenced a lot by indigenous cultures and just, um, feel like um you know we're, we're moving down a path that's out of harmony with with life and and eventually that's um you know that disharmony will be our own dis- demise um yeah i 100 percent agree with you and i wish that more people thought that way but i think people we are connected to nature ultimately and that's something um that gay bradshaw said because i was like we're disconnected she's like no we are connected we're just confused and like you know, I think there are so many other cultures that they're, they still have that connectedness to the land. They still read the land. They still participate it. There's like a, a relationship, a partnership with it, as opposed to like what you're saying. We view it as a commodity, as something to take advantage of, as something to trash, like, you know, something that's not important. But like, if you think about it, like, you know, everything that you do, you, you need the ground to have your buildings, to have all these other things. Like if you don't have the ground beneath you or like the ocean to supply your food or the, or the trees, water. yeah, the water, all of that, you're, you have nothing like without this planet, you have nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I totally agree with you. I think that more people need to think like that. And like, ultimately, 
I think that you just pretty much address the root of like these problems. So like, you know, the, the cruises are a symptom, the root of the issue that we're facing with all the, the stuff that have to do with the orca. We're all, we're all trying to fix the symptoms, but it's like, how do we value the environment? That's where people need to, to reassess and reconnect. And it's like, how do we do that? I think so many people, you're right, get caught up in photography and these cell phone videos and Facebook. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you go outside <laughs> go go find a whale yourself you know um i mean that's that's how i stay connected and you know i mean i live in a big city but i make it a point to regularly go out in nature and so i have a few whale stories to tell you yes. and, and uh, <laughs> um one of them which was really kind of a formative moment for me back um back when i was around 30 or so um I was paddling out in um, Barclay Sound on the west coast of Vancouver Island, mm -hmm. and um, I saw this gray whale coming towards me, and um, I just stopped, and you know, because it was like really close and it was really big, and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna sit here. Yeah. And the whale went right underneath my kayak, and I could see um, the whale's eye looking up at me. Oh and, my gosh. Um, just was so powerful. And, and so that night, um, when I'm sleeping in my tent, I had a dream, the whale was talking to me and, and asking me to, um, you know, help, help save the ocean and save the planet. And, you know, so, um, you know, that's, that's kind of part of why I'm on this path is, is those kinds of experiences. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's, there is a personal responsibility that you feel and a connection that you feel when you make eye contact with a wild animal like that. For me, it was, and I've shared this story on this podcast, I think before, but it was a polar bear. When I was 16, I was volunteering yeah. at a zoo and they gave me a scholarship to go study polar bears in Canada. And I'll, maybe I'll, I'll share the picture the week that I share your stuff. Um, but okay. I was looking down this tundra buggy. It's like this big vehicle and I've seen this, yeah, yeah, and the polar bear's got her paws like up on it, and she's looking at me. There's like three feet between me and this polar bear, and we're just like making eye contact. And I was like, Whoa. "That's this is it. Like this is what we're doing. Like I'm responsible for you. Like what is happening to you up north is not okay. Like, and mm. yeah, so I know exactly what you're talking about. And I've had those dreams too. I actually I just saw about like 40 mola mola like sunfish yesterday and i had dreams yeah. about them last night swimming around me same sort of thing it's fascinating um, uh, yeah that's that's when life comes most alive is when you when you lose that sort of anthropocentric um you know separation and you're just right there with another that's yeah, because so. at one point we were a part of this planet the same way that they were you know and mm -hmm. we still we still are a part of this planet. We just don't see it that way. Um, yeah. Are there any other whale stories that you care to share? Um, well, um, yeah, there was there was one other um, whale story. Um, so uh, I had a midlife crisis kind of early in my life in my 20s and quit my job in the city and um, started paddling north in my kayak um, from Seattle or actually I left from Anacortes and um, ended up on a small cabin um, uh, right next to the ocean. And mm -hmm. um, I think I'd been there like about a very short time, like a month or something. Mm -hmm. And um, I was sitting there reading, I was actually reading Thoreau 
you know, Walden Pond uh, mm -hmm. by candlelight. And uh, it was November and it was really dark out. There was no moon and it was cloudy. And I just suddenly I heard this sound, mm -hmm. sound of like um, somebody shooting a shotgun, you know, mm -hmm. and it was kind of off in the distance. And I just kind of ignored it. But it kept on repeating like every couple of minutes and and it was sort of slowly getting closer and what i gradually realized was oh wow those are whales breathing you know and they were like miles away because it was such a still evening and so i put my candle in the window i mean it was that dark out it's like i i needed a kill to find my way back to shore mm -hmm. um and i just paddled out into um the the, the ocean and just sat there and waited and they started coming up all around me and and um and you know just that breathing sound is so powerful you, you feel like you know the whole the whole world is breathing you know there's there's that's all there is is breathing and again it's that sort of um sense of sep uh, separation just dissolving and you're you're no longer this separate being but you're part of something much much bigger and um so i wish everybody could have that experience because um you know that's those are the kinds of experiences that make you realize that you know the way we normally live our lives in in society is is such a, a kind of tunnel vision of of the truth of of um you know the beauty that that could could be here if if we learn to, you know, you know, kind of take on the stewardship of of the planet, which which I see as our one of our higher roles is, you know, really taking care and of of life and not just using it for short term profit. Absolutely, I one hundred percent agree with you. Um, so you've seen the Southern Residents before then, or have you mostly oh, yeah, seen them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think they they can range as far up as, as around the middle of Georgia Strait is what I understand. Um, they, they, that's, there's sort of a meeting point between the Southerns and the Northerns. And, mm -hmm. um, and um, uh, let's see, a couple, couple times up there and... Um, I've, I've seen them not super close up at, at um, uh, San Juan Island. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm actually going kayaking there um, for five days, leaving on Saturday. So I'm hoping <laughs> that nice. uh, I have some close encounters. So wish yeah. me luck. I hope so too. You never know what could happen. So yeah, that's if I get some good uh, video footage, I'll uh, I'll share it with you. Yeah, excellent. We always love to see it. You know, um, share the magic with those who who can't see it. That's that is the one good thing about like Facebook videos is there are people who yeah. who don't have the accessibility to 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 whales, and that was you yeah. know that was my yeah. personal experience for the first twenty two years of my life, and then. I was able to access whales, um, but mm. for the people that can't, it's really cool to see those videos and it can be really inspiring. So that's awesome. Um, so I did have a couple of other questions here, but it, you seem sure. to have kind of answered some of them. Um, 
So what can people do if they want to prevent these cruise ships from coming into the port of Seattle or at least this new terminal? I mean, obviously, Um, the first thing I see is like, don't buy a ticket. Don't go on a cruise ship. That's my first thought. Yes, yes. You know, and, and, you know, um, you know, so local activism is is one of the most um, effective ways to um, create positive changes. And so, you know, getting involved in our campaign, you know, going going to our website, um, going to our Facebook page, learning about the issues. And then, um, you know, the website's got a, a take action link right at the top of the page where mm-hmm. um, you can learn about um, learn about the issues and, um, and then speaking out at port commission meetings, which um, happen twice a month. I mean, it's, it's a public agency. It, it's, uh, um, they get, some funding from from property taxes mm-hmm. so it's um you know uh you know they're they're elected by by the public you know mm-hmm. they have that duty to um to you know listen to the public and so they're to, they're the decision makers and so you know if they hear from enough people um then you know they 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 want to get reelected and mm-hmm. so you know they're not going to oppose uh, people if it's if it's going to hurt their re-election campaign and um, just just as an example you know recently uh, uh, another airport a major airport project in england was stopped because you know thousands of people um you know uh, spoke out against it so um so anyways on, on our webpage we have these um links uh where you can learn about submitting public comment um, and it's quite easy right now, you know, because of the, the COVID-19 situation, mm-hmm. you don't actually have to show up. You can just give testimony, um, via phone or Skype and, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, anybody can do it. So it, yeah. it's quite empowering to, to do that. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. There's a lot of, I think we're seeing the power of activism, especially right now with the whole Black Lives Matter movement, which is so important and where we all should be focusing our energy. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that will say, you know, one person can't make a difference, one person this, one person that. But like we we see it now. There's so many people that are like, I'm one person and I can make a difference. And then when everybody thinks like that, you see what, you know, the progress that we're starting to make with the Black Lives Matter movement. So we need to do the same for the whales, you know, when it's time. And so that's really important. Um, I was going to ask, like, you know, why you're passionate about the whales and your favorite experiences, but I think you've kind of already shared that. Is there anything else you'd yeah. like to add? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I, um, you know, it's just, uh, I think you got the gist of my passion. I'm, uh, yeah. I love whales. <laughs> They're awesome. Um, yeah. Do you have a favorite kind of whale? I'm curious. Oh, uh, you know, um, I mean, any, any, any whale. I mean, I, I love all all creatures you know i mean i'm i'm a gardener and so if i find a a slug uh on on one of my leaves i am a free pass over to some uh tree or bush outside the garden and same with spiders i find in my basement so nice um yeah you know it's just every every living being wants to live and so um yeah yeah absolutely um the one question we ask everybody at the end of the episode is what can we learn from the whales 
Um, so, you know, whales have been around for millions of years. Um, and, you know, I'm not a, a, a whale scientist, but from what little I know, they're matrilineal mm-hmm. and they sing a lot of songs and they travel in groups for most of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, just kind of reflecting on that and and you know some of the social justice work i've done and and um you know patriarchy and modern western european settler mm-hmm. culture has a tradition of dominating nature and a lack of appreciation for diversity um so you know in you know american history we've got uh you know manifest destiny and endless exploitation of mother earth in order to fulfill, um, you know, all these consumer-based desires. And Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, um, I I think um, uh, we need to listen to women more. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's my my takeaway. And that's that's what Indigenous people are are saying. You know, I was, um, I watched the live stream of of, uh, some Indigenous speakers at the, uh, at the uh, Capitol Hill, organizing project the the new zone that's um sort of an experiment uh, mm-hmm. to uh um so but beyond that i i would say it would be really great if you could invite um some um indigenous uh, panelists on, on your yeah. program I, I'm, I'm friends with um a couple of storytellers um paul wagner and roger fernandez um live here in seattle and and um you know um, you know, orcas and, and whales in general are, are part of their yeah. culture and, and uh, you know, yeah, that's, I'm sure they need some good stuff to share. That is definitely on my list. And, you know, I feel bad that we're, you know, this will be episode 37 and that I haven't talked to any indigenous people because they're so a part of the forefront of this. Like, they're the first people we should talk to. However, you yeah. know, I do understand that there's, there are a lot of cultural differences and given the trauma that they've been through over the generations. I, I'm i in the process of reading up about the culture because I want to make sure that when I talk to them that I'm, I'm doing everything that I can to be respectful. So I'm, yeah. and I want to reach out to those people. And I just had this conversation with Aaron Baxter, who's another activist. Um, and he, you know, he said that sometimes with certain people, you have to build that trust and build those relationships. So I, I definitely want to start doing that. But um, is there anything else that you would like to add? Um, no, I just really appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation with you, Erica, and thanks for all the good work you're doing and, you know, um, trying to, uh, educate people about the whales because, you know, they're, uh, um, you know, uh, they've been here a long time and, um, mm-hmm. you know, many people like in terms of the Southern resident orcas, you know, i I've heard some people say it's it's question whether they all survive, you know, given the small size of the breeding population. But I'm always hopeful, and so um, you know, regardless of how dire things look, um, I think uh, if if we act, we can um, have a positive impact, and and life can regenerate. So yeah, um, I totally agree with you. Thank you for, awesome. for your work and thanks for having me. Yes, thanks for being on. Thanks so much for joining us. Please check out Seattle Cruise Control's website. The link is in the bio of this podcast as well as on our website. 
Um, if you guys want to support them, check out their website. Also, if you want to continue to support this project, check out our Patreon. Um, check out our new website. We now have merch, so that's super exciting. Um, but we're getting ready to start some new projects and... Um, your contributions basically just go to making um, educational materials more accessible to everyone. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for joining us and tune back in next week. We're going to talk about dam removal um, and why it needs to happen this year. Okay, bye-bye.